I think every founder definitely struggle with the, am I working hard enough? Because I'm not working till midnight every night, is that not good enough, you know? And you constantly have this feeling of, oh my gosh, should I be doing more? Should I be, should I be totally burnt out, you know? How do you really do mindfulness? Even if it's just a few minutes a day, the more that you can remove yourself from it, it actually benefits your instincts, your gut, your your entire being. So difficult to do, and that's why finding something that does remove yourself from it is like a gift. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Irish Podcast, a podcast all about celebrating Irish innovation and Irish innovators globally. I'm your host, Dave Byrne. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I have been very excited to bring out this episode. Today, we speak with Greta Dunn from Marker Content. What I loved about this episode is Greta has an experience beyond just being a startup founder that made her really think about how she wanted to be present for her startup and how she wanted to manage her time and energy. And it's just a fascinating perspective that she has. You'll hear more as to why she has this perspective. It really includes some valuable lessons for startup founders and for anybody that's really going deep on trying to understand how they can best apply their energy to their work. I really hope that everybody listening gets something out of it. I think she has something to offer for everybody. Also, this is a little bit of a follow-on from the last podcast where we interviewed Chris Walla, uh, mainly because of the relationship with Dog Patch Labs. So if you haven't listened to that podcast uh, with Chris Walla, check that out as well. It's not necessary to before this one, but definitely worth checking out as well. So uh, for Greta's though, I'm just going to drop you straight in it. Greta, thank you so much for taking out the time today. Really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Oh, no problem. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me, Dave. You yourself are a writer. Where did this passion come from? Well, I think I've always loved writing. I think it's something maybe you're born with. Um, I loved writing in school. English was my favorite subject. I wasn't very good at much else. <laughs> Just anything with a beginning, middle and end kind of fascinated me. I started an online magazine when I was about 22 or 23, kind of based on that love, I suppose. Um, and I just wanted to read what Irish students wanted to talk about, basically. I felt like there was nothing in the Irish media that catered to kind of the 18 to 24 year old demographic in a real way. And I was really shocked at how many Irish students actually had wanted to talk about it as well and had all these experiences and perspectives and opinions that they wanted to share. And yeah, I just really enjoyed, I suppose, building that online magazine and, and I suppose creating something that was written for students by students. Um, and it incorporated my love of reading and writing and, and coming up with kind of ideas of what I thought people might be interested in. So I guess that's where marker content came from. <laughs> I was going to say, because I was wondering if that aspect of like you doing that online content and having other writers, was that when you realized that other writers didn't always have the confidence to sell? Was this the catalyst for you to eventually build marker content? 
with the magazine that I had, it grew quickly, I think, because the content was so relevant. And as I said, and it just worked really well. So in its growth, we managed to get kind of 4 million views a month of 18 to 24 year olds, which was essentially the monopoly in Ireland, which was really amazing. But at the time, I kind of thought we'd make revenue or we'd make money from traditional advertising. I didn't have any experience or qualifications or anything in advertising or media or anything like that. So so I just assumed, I suppose, naively that if you got loads of views on a website, you would automatically make money from ads. But the real revenue was coming from brands that were approaching us. And it was everything from, you know, Vitit, Gillette, Netflix wanted us to insert their product into our best performing articles, basically. And I just thought like, wow, this is so simple. So a lot of the time I would just Google the article that I needed or a variation of what I needed for whichever brand it was. And I would come across a blog that had already written something that kind of represented what I needed. And I would contact the blogger and say, hey, like I'm looking at your article and it looks good and I'd like to share it on my website. Is that okay with you? And I always got the same answer, which was usually something like I wrote that six years ago. I started a blog. I never was able to make any money from it. So take whatever you want. And I just thought like that was kind of sad because so much talent was out there and and all these people were writing these amazing blogs and it didn't matter what it was on. It was whatever they were an expert in. And yet they were going unseen and they were falling in like the 4000 page of Google where no one was ever going to find it. And, uh, you know, monetizing it is just way too difficult. So yeah, that's that's when it started, that that kind of idea where I was like, okay, I really want to find out more about how much of this content is being wasted and unseen and all these people who poured, you know, their energy into this work and it went nowhere. I think 20 years ago even, blogs were kind of the big thing. Um and it was like start a blog and you'll make money or start a blog and you'll get some kind of revenue or or monetization from it. And then people realized it's actually not that simple. Um, And there was kind of, I suppose, too many blogs online. But that didn't take away from the amount of talent and, and, you know, value that was out there that was just going unseen. So when those those two magazines were sold in 2016, and I just started to look around at how much was out there. As I mentioned, it was these people like talking to bloggers, finding out as much as I possibly could. But, you know, I remember one woman saying to me, I gave her the idea for Marker Content. I was like, you know, if I built something and you could just put all your old work on it and I could sell it for you, would you be interested in that? Would you be happy to kind of relinquish your rights to your work if you could make some money from it? And she was like, absolutely. She was like, gosh, like I wrote over 50 recipes for my child who is lactose intolerant, basically. And they're really specific to my child, but if I could put them somewhere that would help someone else, that would be great. And it just struck me like, gosh, there's so many people that are writing from experience and from a vulnerable place um, and from their very own perspective. And that just needs to go somewhere. Um, and then there's all these businesses as well that like really need that perspective and, and need that vulnerability to connect with with their customers. It's fascinating to hear, obviously, you know, you're a passionate writer and clearly very much, as you mentioned, with the beginning, middle and end, you know, you're an avid storyteller, you're a consumer of storytelling. And it's almost like you've taken that also interest of like not only writing yourself, but the consumption of storytelling and kind of applied that to getting other people to contribute. And with that story that you're telling there, it feels like we must have lost so much 
great creativity over the years of people who were writing fantastic pieces, but just didn't have a proper outlet to get it out there and to be able to share it in a way that that they could benefit from or that readers could benefit from. You know, a lot of creative people, including myself, wouldn't feel that natural, you know, picking up the phone or trying to make a sale or, or saying, hey, like I, I, I have written a whole blog about what your business is. Can I sell you that? Or it just doesn't come naturally. So I thought with all of these creative people, it would be great to give them, as you say, somewhere to put that work, minimal effort. You know, all they have to do is upload it. We then check it for, obviously, we check it for plagiarism, and then we check the grammar and, and all of that stuff. You know, we can sell it for them. Um, yeah, I just, I, I I would love to be able to, and I love that I can, represent these people that, yeah, just might not have had the ability to sell it, but have had such a strong ability to create it. I think the the best thing for me is is giving people that opportunity and and it's people that might not have had that opportunity for income and now they do have an opportunity to sell it um so yeah that's kind of where the passion comes from it's kind of being able to give anybody of any age of any demographic that right that when I was creating it I just was in a room with a whiteboard and I was like you know how do I formalize my thoughts here or organize them in a way that might actually build a business and the first real thing I said I wrote down on the board was everybody's an expert on something and it really has stuck with me and and the team and I keep kind of reminding everybody of it because that's really what the heart of marker content is and I always said like the reason that we don't charge different prices for different articles like you know one might be 4,000 words and one might be 400 words was because I was like you know the value of that article depends on the buyer not the creator so like you know a 19 year old girl talking about lipstick or something you know for a pharmacy is as valuable as somebody else talking about you know science (laughs) depending on what the buyer is we've so many people that are experts in exactly what they're experts in and whether that's like a parent or a plumber or you know a food writer it doesn't matter The, the the value is in their experience. Something that I think everybody can keep in mind where it's like, everybody's an expert at something. You know the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Yes, yeah. That book talks about something similar where it's like, everybody has something to say and you just need to basically find out what that thing is. And that's how you'll find people's passion. You'll be able to connect with somebody. You'll be able to hear from them. It, it truly is like everybody does have something to say. So it's great that you're giving them this, not just an outlet for it, but an opportunity to earn from it as well, potentially. Um, mm. It's fantastic to hear. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you share my enthusiasm for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think as, you know, me being like somebody creating a podcast, I imagine it's very similar for a lot of writers as well, where they just have, it's a passion. It's not, it's, it's something that they're excited about, they're enthusiastic about. I'm definitely excited about this podcast, so I can definitely empathize um, with writers as well in that regard. Mm. And it's, do you know what? It's it's overwhelming to see the content come in um, and just be reminded every day of how many different, like I, I find it fascinating that we're all, we all have this blueprint of a totally different perspective on life, even if you come from the same family, even if 
you know, you grew up in the same household, you still have totally different memories and a totally different perspective and and experiences that build up, you know, who you are as an individual. And you really see that in the content that comes in. You know, let's say we have like hundreds of articles that came in this week on Valentine's Day. And you would think like, okay, they're all going to be in and around the same stuff, like how to treat your partner on Valentine's Day or here's 10 ideas for, you know. But every one of them has their own experience. They're writing from the heart and they're writing from a place that no one else can write from because it's from their own place. And I just think that's amazing, you know. And as you say, like, it doesn't matter what your experience is. You have something to say and somebody might really need what you have to say. So, yeah, it's amazing to be able to give people that kind of outlet. I do want to get more into what it means to the writer shortly, but would be remiss if I didn't touch on something personal to you, actually. I mean, I in 2020, you had your own personal health challenge with COVID-19. Just for the listeners, would you mind sharing what you experienced? Yeah, of course. So I had kind of started working on marker content and then in March 2020, I got COVID. It was very mild. It was like a temperature essentially. And then in May, um, I just started to become quite sick and I didn't think they were related, but actually it turned out I had, you know, I went into hospital with fluid around my heart and um it was all COVID related. I'm sure there are people listening that did suffer from long COVID, but at the time they didn't have that term. And yeah, it was very difficult. It was a very difficult time. I was in hospital in February 2021, and I just remember saying to, I had a respiratory consultant and a cardiologist, I remember saying to them, you know, when am I going to be able to work again? You know, all I wanted to do was work on marker content, and that was kind of something that I, that was giving me life, basically. And they were kind of short of laughing at me in that they were like, Greta, you you can't even climb a stairs, like forget about marker content, that's not happening. And we need to figure out how to get you better. You know, anyone that's gone through something like that will appreciate it's obviously incredibly confronting when you are faced with not being told you're not able to do something. Um, It's definitely a turning point for me in in appreciation for work and the ability to work. I realized, you know, actually being able to work is a privilege and I never appreciated that before, what a privilege that is and how many people aren't able to work because of a disability um, or a chronic illness. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I got on the right treatment and um, I was able to get better with a lot of training and retraining my brain and reprogramming my brain and my body and stuff and incredibly privileged to have that um, resource there. And I had amazing people around me. But yeah, I, I never looked at work the same way again. Once I was able to start working again and I was able to open my laptop and I had to try and concentrate for more than 10 minutes and then the next day concentrate for 15 minutes and try and build myself back up like that. But I think it was an amazing experience because I feel like now I just feel incredibly lucky to be able to work on this every day, like incredibly lucky. So I think, yeah, it was definitely a turning point. I was I then was able to get investment and I think Partly that was because of my attitude towards the whole thing. And, you know, I've done literally thousands of pitches at this stage, I'd say. And I, when I was starting to do the pitches, you know, obviously a question would be, OK, so there seems to be kind of a year and a half here, two years here where there wasn't much movement. What, what happened there? And I, I never really wanted to say it because I suppose I thought it was 
a weakness or something, which is just not, obviously. Um, but one investor said to me, you know, I ended up telling him the whole story and he was like, you know, Greta, that's such a fundamental part of your story. And we love founders that have faced adversity because we feel like they have an amazing perspective and amazing energy. And he was like, make sure that you include that in every pitch because it's so important and, and you use that experience because it has made you stronger and it's made the company stronger and it's made you a more empathetic compassionate deeper person and I think that's absolutely true so it you know I'm grateful for look I'm incredibly grateful that I'm able to work and I'm incredibly grateful that I was able to recover I know a lot of people weren't as lucky but yeah that was it was a catalyst I would say it's interesting to see well to hear how this changed your perspective on things and your approach I'd love to kind of deep dive into what some of those changes were like how were you able to apply all uh, all of what happened to you to the challenges and the tough days that you face as a founder philosophically it had it made me feel my mortality so it made me realize this could all be over very soon and also you know something i commonly say to the team is we're not saving lives here so let's just have fun and do our best and we're here for a very short time on this earth and you know you just kind of zoom out and you're like this time two years ago I was in a hospital bed and they didn't know you know when I was going to get out so I think it's made me less stressed about the small stuff and appreciate that this is all very fleeting and you know as I've said just incredibly grateful and lucky and I think as a founder the more that you can zoom out like that and the more that you can uh, to appreciate like, wow, you've come so far. If it all ends tomorrow, that's OK, too. You know, yeah, I'd say that's probably the main thing that I got from it in terms of being a founder and being a leader. I think such a big part of being a founder or a CEO or, or a leader in general is to make the team and the people around you feel safe and secure and that no matter what happens, we can deal with it. That's the main thing. Um, and it's the same for any leader. It's the same for a parent. It's the same for like anybody that's, I guess, looking to you for answers. Ultimately, it's like, okay, we're going to try our best and we are going to, you know, work really hard and we're going to try everything. But if that doesn't work, that's okay too. We'll just try something else. And it's just, yeah, I, I think that's probably the main thing. You know, the the investors that you've spoken to have almost kind of taken this as like, yeah, we we love founders that overcome adversity. And, you know, you've clearly, you know, overcome a lot there. And, you know, you have this newfound appreciation. Have you noticed a, a huge change in your even just your productivity before and after? Um, oh, yeah. 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 I think the other thing is long COVID um, and anyone that's had it or is experiencing it at the moment Basically, they tell you that, like, you have to rest, like you can't go 100 percent, 100 percent of the time and you have to give yourself time to rest. And like I was basically with like a, a, an expert in sleep and they were explaining to me how, you know, your respiratory system and your cardiac system or whatever really only recovers when you're in stage four of sleep and you have to get to stage four, but you're not going to get to stage four if you're stressed. I definitely think when I was growing up, the kind of startup founder 
culture was like you have to work 100 hours a day you know you there is no sleep you sleep for 2 hours you know all this toxic stuff that's like it's not going to work unless unless you sacrifice your health your family your fitness every part of you and i just think when you experience something like like i did and anyone who's experiencing long covid now you just respect your body so much more and you realize like if i don't respect my body this is all over Patrick Walsh, who's a kind of mentor here in in Dogpatch, like I remember him saying to me, like, you know, your body is is part of the machine that is the business. So you have to take care of that, just like you take care of a server or a laptop or anything. You have to give it regular updates and make sure you give it time to rest and use use your body for fitness and make sure you're getting outside and all of those things. Because he was like, as a founder, as a CEO, if that breaks down, the business is gone it's done so like it's it's about maintenance and making sure that you get all of those things in line and that whole idea of pushing yourself to the point of breaking point um, and burnout it's just so counterproductive and and pace is really important when you're building something like this because and I think that that's a really important message that I got. It was like, you know, you are learning so much and you are putting yourself out there so much and you're trying so many new things and you're also trying to raise money. It's 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 a pace. You just can't go 100%, 100% of the time. And yeah, I think that's a really important message and I'm so glad I got it. And it's so, I'm so glad, I think it's easier to accept that once you've kind of had that um physical adversity. I also think it's easier when you're a bit older, like in in my first startup, that just wasn't the culture at all. It was like, you know, we worked all day, every day. I had the laptop out with my family dinners, like Google Analytics running all the time. I remember being in the pub and having my laptop out with Google Analytics. And it was like, this is my life. This is everything, you know, and I did suffer from burnout and it like I was useless to anybody. So I think pace is incredibly important. And definitely that is drilled home when all of a sudden your body doesn't work anymore and you have to come up with some kind of way of getting it back to life you know so if there's one piece of advice I would say pace (laughs) a quick pause in today's podcast to let you know that the digital Irish have live events coming up in London and New York first up is in London on Wednesday April 26th As AI continues to innovate at an increasingly quick pace, the urgency for businesses to understand how it will impact their industry, operations, and the people they serve has never been greater. This event, called Digital Disruptors, exploring the impact of AI on business, will discuss this hugely important topic. And second, we have an event on May 3rd in New York City, where we will be speaking to leading Irish experts who have excelled in the US at building businesses with the environment in mind. That is gonna be called Climate Analytics, looking into our future. Be sure to check out digitalirish.com for both of these events. Now back to the interview. the advice for entrepreneurs often is almost about like this constant grind hustle culture Mm -hmm. of you are on 24 seven, you need to be about your business 24 seven. I've heard so many stories of 
founders with great ideas, the best intentions, but then just burning out. Mm-hmm. And it, it's remarkable that obviously it's it's terrible that you went through this experience, but it's amazing to see how much you've learned from that and you're able to apply that so that you're able to pace yourself while still being fully committed to marker content. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because I think every founder, I like I'm not speaking for every founder, but definitely myself and other founders that I've spoken to definitely struggle with the am I am I working hard enough? Because I'm not working till midnight every night, is that not good enough, you know? And you constantly have this feeling of oh my gosh, should I be doing more? Should I be should I be totally burnt out, you know? And I was talking to somebody uh, another founder about this a few weeks ago and he said, "Are you checking your emails?" you know, at 12 o'clock at night, are you, is the first thing in the morning, are you checking emails? Are you thinking about it all the time? Are you constantly thinking about it, even when you're out with your friends or your family and stuff? Are you talking about it constantly? And I was like, yes, 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 yes. And he was like, that is working. You are constantly working. So you have to make sure that just because you're not sitting at a desk in front of a laptop, that you don't consider that to be working. Like every time you open your mouth and talk to somebody about it, that's you working every time you're thinking about it or you're researching or you're reading articles that you know relate to your business that's work and I thought that was interesting so th- so then of course you're thinking okay wow am I doing it like you know because I think about it constantly and I'm totally consumed with it is that too much and is that going to you know contribute to burnout so I was speaking to a man at a networking event um recently and he was an expert in how do you really do mindfulness it's really hard to quiet your mind and his whole he he's written a book called Face Facts. It's amazing, but he he talks a lot about the mind body connection and how we have three hearts and one is in our head and one is in our heart and then one is in our gut. And he was like, if you can strengthen up your gut, your gut feeling, um, you'll be a really good leader. I said, okay, well, how do you do that? And he was like, well, it's it's like a muscle, so you have to continue to practice it. So you have to make decisions based on your gut feeling. And then you realize that actually worked. And then you do that again and all that. And he was like, and that'll really bring you to a great point of mindfulness because you're able to like quiet your mind and listen to your body. And I said, okay, well, what what are the best ways to you know do that? And he said, well, mindfulness is basically just being in the moment. That's actually harder to do than people appreciate or realize. And he said, you know, a great example of that would be a sports game, like a live sports game. Everybody there is in the moment and they're just they're just totally consumed and absorbed in every moment of that 80 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever it is and he said that's mindfulness because it removes you from your current reality whatever that is and for 80 minutes it takes you to a place that is totally present and that's why people like love sports I was like wow so that's such a relevant point and the more that you can do that be in the present moment and it doesn't matter whether that's sports or painting or driving fast cars or whatever it is that puts you in the present moment that is really good for for your brain. And and sorry, my point is, sorry, <laughs> I digress. My point is that as a founder, you're constantly thinking about your business. You're constantly thinking about how to do it better, you know, how to your team, you know, how to improve it in any way, shape or form. The more that you can remove yourself from it, even if it's just a few minutes a day or a few minutes a week or whatever, it actually benefits your instincts, your gut, your your entire being just to remove yourself. And I think it's so difficult to do. And that's why finding something that does remove yourself from it is like a gift. A quick question there. Do you find that for you that writing 
is one of the ways that you take yourself out of uh, marker content? Or is it too much of a reminder of marker content? No, no, no. I love writing. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't remind me of marker content at all. Um, you know, marker content now for me, I there's people working on the articles. I'm actually quite like I, I look at it every day. I look at the articles every day, but a lot of my time is taken up with the development of the site, um, the user journey, the buyer journey, you know, the fundraise, the investors, like all of those points that aren't actually to do with the writing at all, which is sad, but um, it's fine. And it's all the bigger picture. But um, but yeah, like I started to write a novel, which is like a thriller. and It's totally not anything to do with marker content. And yeah, it, to- it brings me out of that. And, you know, that's a as as you know, going back to the passion, yeah, that is a passion of mine. Totally removes yourself from your current reality. It's great. It's a great gift. I love that, and amazing to hear about you writing your novel. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you'll ever see it now, but it's at least it's something I can work on in my free time. <laughs> it, it'll be the great Irish novel eventually. Um, yeah. Uh, so you know, speaking uh, speaking again of of marker content. Um, you know, one thing I was really fascinated by was like, you know, obviously you're giving writers an outlet to share their work and their creativity but you're also giving writers an opportunity to earn money. So how does this actually work? Like if if I, if there's a writer listening today, like what are the things that they can expect from actually submitting to marker content? Yeah, so when you register for marker content, you have to do a little writing test. It's like 300 words that you just write, you know, whatever you want, just so that we can see uh, what level you're at. Um, some people get through and some people don't, but you can try again. You can put a photo of yourself up, a bio of yourself so that writers can see, or sorry, buyers can see, you know, this is Dave, he's an expert on podcasts, or this is Sarah, and she's an expert on coffee or whatever, just so that the buyer can see, you know, exactly who who who's writing. Um, so then the writer uploads their back catalog or new stuff, whatever they want, that new stuff um, or old stuff, whatever, goes into what we call a quarantine it's funny that it was named before COVID. <laughs> anyway, uh, it has such a negative connotation there, but it's gone into a quarantine. And um, then each article is checked firstly for plagiarism, anything that it looks like it's been plagiarized, we reject. Um, and then it gets checked for grammar, which we use Grammarly for. Um, and then we check it for relevancy. So I think there's one of six or seven reasons we would reject articles um them not being evergreen would be one so a lot of the articles the articles that we take in are essentially evergreen meaning that if it would be out of date in six months we don't accept it so like if it was like a review of a football match or something we wouldn't accept it um we don't accept it if the english language isn't up to a certain standard um anything that's overtly kind of medical advice we wouldn't accept um so, yes, yeah, a couple of reasons, but we always give the reason and we, you know, personalize the response so that the writer knows, you know, and then we encourage them to send more work in. Um, and it, it's actually working really well because we're seeing that writers are taking that on board and then they're sending in something that has been changed based on our feedback, which is amazing. So that goes into the library um, and then we have subscription models. So the writer, if 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 a writer's article is bought, they will get 80 percent 
commission from from that article. Um, so obviously, if a buyer comes in, buys one individual article, they'll get 80% of that. If a buyer has a subscription of six articles a month, they will get 80% of whatever that article is worth with the six with the subscription of six articles a month. Um, so they're always getting 80% of whatever it is divvied up as, if that makes sense. They're making the most money from an individual sale, which we get a lot of, which is nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, my favorite day of the month is the day that I get to pay all the commissions out because I just think it's amazing. And it's amazing to, we pay through PayPal. It's just lovely to see like, and then we send them an email, obviously to say, congratulations, you sold. And at the moment, like it's quite remedial in that it's a very basic model. Um, and I, w with more investment and, and more money into the development side of things, you know, I really want to, I suppose, gamify it in a way for the contributors so that they have a lovely dashboard and they can see, you know, what's trending and what's been searched and how many times their article came up in a search and how many times people viewed their article. And, you know, they'll just be able to see much more visibility of, of what's happening. At the moment, it, it's just not there for them and and it must be frustrating for them. Um, but yeah, I definitely wanted to get to a stage where they're able to like, you know, have an app on their phone and they get a little notification, that little, what is this, dopamine hit when they're like, oh, great, my article was viewed, you know, 600 times today or whatever. Um, so yeah, so so it's great, as I, as I said, I mean, I picked 80% as a commission, which there was a few raised eyebrows at, I think, because um, it's like, why are you giving so much? And comparable websites wouldn't be giving that much. And you kind of look at marketplaces like Depop and Etsy and Shutterstock and, um, you know, but for me, it was like, look, let's grow this thing so that we grow it fast and that we build a brand that writers trust and feel like they're not getting taken advantage of or manipulated or that there's this massive business that's taking loads of money from what they've created you know for me it was like the more people that use this the better and the more people that use this the more valuable it is and for me it was like if we could get you know millions of writers around the world using this then 20 percent of those sales is you know a lot more than 50 percent of half of that Do you know what I mean like I I just I felt really strongly about them feeling like the the contributors and the writers feeling like they weren't being taken advantage of. Um, and I think it's worked. I mean, I think it's absolutely amazing to see our goal for 2022 was we launched in April. Our goal for 2022 was 11,000 writers. We reached 50,000 in January alone. We got 10,000. Um, so and that's amazing. You know, that is that is incredible activity to phenomenal see phenomenal growth yeah 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 um and what i really want is to create this community um of people around the world that are part of marker content like one of the best pieces of feedback i got was this woman who was in her 50s and she wrote really good stuff um about skincare and she was kind of an expert on skincare and she knew about natural remedies to make kind of your own skincare out of seaweed and stuff like really really amazing stuff and uh she had all this work and she didn't have anywhere to put it and you know that's exactly the type of person that we would be looking for and um she signed up she got in you know and and the communication Alison who does our marketing is just amazing at her communication with the writers um 
and you get this lovely email when you sign up and you you know it's very welcoming and it's your part of this community and we really want to take care of you and everything and she was like honestly it gave me such a lift it she was like I just didn't realize what a lift and and I underestimated how it feels to actually be part of something um and she was like I love the weekly emails and I love like the way you guys because we will tell them every week like what's been good this week and and we will showcase a rider of the week and um you know it's just very positive messaging and she was like I just love that and I was like you know I think Tony Robbins talks about this that how like we've five basic needs or something but I think one of them is kind of feeling part of something and it's so true like it doesn't matter what it is if it's like a tennis club or you know an art class or whatever it is just to even just feel part of something that you're with people that are like you I suppose so yeah the big picture would be to build this community and I suppose you know have events or have meetups or around the world of marker content um contributors I think that would just be magic I it's really firstly I you can tell when somebody is passionate about what they do when they get excited to pay other people um so that's (laughs) That's a, a a very positive sign there. Um, but the second thing is like, you know, I've heard so much from friends that are even uh, journalists, writers, that writing can be such a lonely experience. And it's it's really fascinating to hear what you're saying about building this community. I imagine that's one of the reasons why you've grown so much since the launch in April. It's not just about the opportunity to submit your work to something, but it's also an opportunity to be part of something bigger. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. It's, it's, I think, and, and it's the non-discrimination of age or gender or whatever. It's like, you know what, if you have something to say, we are here to, to make sure that we can, we can find somebody who can buy that. And I think, you know, we get like, teenage boys writing in about xbox and stuff and and they have a great they have an educated perspective on that so that's great um or video games or whatever it is um again like going back to my point it's it's so overwhelming or uh yeah it's just mind-blowing to to be reminded every day of how we're all such individual people with all such individual expertise on could be the smallest little thing um and yet it's valuable so yeah i i i feel very strongly about the community um I would love to grow it. I mean, a, another big picture that I have in my head is um, like a student program where we will hit colleges and try and get, you know, students to sign up because obviously students have a lot of content, I guess. Um, they have a lovely level of education, I suppose, in college. Uh, they have great networks and be able, you know, for them to have an app on their phone and be able to say, oh, like I made, you know, $200 from marker content this month that I didn't think I had. So that's going to be great. You know, just people having an extra thing on their phone that gives them money for essentially old rope because they've already they've already written it and it doesn't take much effort for them to upload it so yeah that's kind of another big picture I have I'd love I'd love for it to be big kind of in the colleges but I think that goes back to my my first startup which was the college newspaper so I I, I love college students I think they're amazing I had um two college interns in here last year one was from Harvard one was from Northwestern I've got Georgetown students at the moment working on kind of our competitive analysis and business strategy and then I have two more interns coming next Wednesday to spend two months with us um, from the states Um, and I just think they've got the most incredible 
work ethic, way of thinking, you know, also they're so valuable because they are in this new generation that knows way more about how network effects work and the internet and, you know, side hustles and how to, you know, how to appeal to young people to to actually commit to a side hustle, all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm very pro the college student area, demographic. Fantastic stuff. And you know what's funny is I love the fact that, you know, when you're talking about the college side of things, it's almost like bringing it right back around to, you know, that that initial phase that you were talking about at the beginning of, of um, uh, having a website and having a bug and bringing people uh, onto that. But yeah, you know, what one thing I I do want to pick your brain on um, is obviously with with all of this happening, there there's a big elephant in the room at the moment, which is AI chatbots. Um, they're creating text and articles. Um, you know, in this space where you have this ever growing community of of human writers, do do AI chatbots potentially replace people? Uh, in the creative process. Um, Do you see a world with both people-led and AI-led content creation? What do you think the future looks like? Oh, Dave, I mean, how long do we have here? (laughs) Um, I think what's happened with the AI um, content in particular, but also obviously graphic design, obviously design of art and and, um, lyrics and poems and everything. I think it has raised such fascinating questions like you know what are humans and what is our value and you know what makes us different um and yeah like I mean I won't lie to you when when <laughs> when the world started going mad on chat GBT and 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 open AI and stuff I was like wow okay and obviously a lot of our pitches and investors would be interested in in this um and I think you know my COO Dan he's such a wise wise man um he said, look, we just need to we just need to put the heads down and and watch what's happening. Absolutely. And keep ourselves informed. And what's happening is absolutely mind blowing. And it's amazing. And it's solving so much time for companies um, and so many resources and all of those things. Um, and for me, it's kind of solidified more um, how amazing and valuable our writers and marker content is because it's 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 made me question, and I know it's made everybody else question. Okay, wh- well, what is the difference? Okay, so what we started doing is we started picking a random article on marker content and putting the title into into an AI solution and seeing the difference. We're just putting them side by side and seeing, okay, well, what is the difference? You know, the team will do it, and then we will put it on LinkedIn and we'll ask other people, do you see the difference here? And it's not an exercise of look which one is better and this is why human human writers are better and this is why users are not at all because I can totally appreciate how powerful it is um, as I said and I think there's you know it's it's fascinating and and it's it's mind blowing as I said um, but when you see them side by side and you ask people to look for themselves yes there are absolute differences um, and I think when you when you look at marketing and you look at amazing marketing campaigns it's not just about putting content out there it's about putting content out there that people connect with and I think that that sometimes is lost in the hunger for content or the thirst for just just putting stuff out there just putting something out there with our brand in it 
I think it's going to be really interesting to see how we as humans evolve around AI content um, in the art world and in, and in the written world and, and graphic design or whatever it is, because we will evolve around it. And our brains are obviously incredibly powerful. We'll be able to detect it. Um, and this is what happens. But again, it's I, I don't have the answer. I suppose my answer would be kind of covered in the, in the first half of this podcast, which is the most valuable content that we have is written from perspective and from emotion and from, you know, vulnerability and experience. And that's that's very valuable. And that's actually something that AI can't do. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't a place for AI and it doesn't mean there isn't a place for marker content. It just depends on what you're looking for. I think as well as that, a lot of like a lot of our customers or a lot of our current um, buyers. For example, I have one buyer in the UK and he's got a health and fitness business and he has a content writer and he was doing a great job and all of that. He was a 26 year old guy writing all the content for this health and fitness business. And this guy was like, this content is great and I love it. And it was working great for months. But now I realize, you know, it's kind of coming from the same perspective. And, you know, in terms of our newsletters and our blogs and our social media pages, a 26 year old fit guy writing about health and fitness isn't exactly that engaging because he's kind of in the prime of his life. And, it's not, you know, he's not really appealing to a huge audience. He was like, what I'm looking for is like, you know, how to work out when you're pregnant or, you know, the difference between working out when you're 60 versus 20 or whatever. He was like, I need different perspectives and I need to be able to engage with a larger audience as opposed to just this one viewpoint. Um, now, AI content can do that, but I think being able to say, so, you know, when I was pregnant with my third child, I noticed that I couldn't do a spinning class as well as I did with my first child. And so that's why I started to do yoga. And I did, you know, that is more valuable than what AI can do. Again, I am not saying AI is not valuable. It is hugely valuable. And I I, I love reading about it every single day. Obviously, it's a massive part of my morning is to keep myself updated on all the articles about it and, and see the progression of it and the evolution of it. Um, and the perspectives of it from experts. Um, but I also then love to see the contrast of why our content is different. Um, and then I also love, you know, I was on a panel a couple of weeks ago and there was a great audience and the audience were kind of millennials, I suppose. Um, and they were saying that, like, they care less about actual products. Obviously, everybody cares about products. But this generation is looking more into what that business values, what, you know, what are their values? What are they giving back to the world? And whether that's like sustainability or whatever it is, people are more interested in that now, I think more than ever. And I love that, that we have built something that's actually giving back to a human um, and supporting humans and supporting writers. And, you know, I, I was saying the other day I was in a in a pitch and I was like, you know, it's buy from writers, not robots. Um, and this investor was like, that's absolutely brilliant, you know, and it's a, it's a brilliant, I suppose, message to send out there that you guys are creating content that's actually being used, but also giving income to people that might not have that opportunity otherwise. So. AI content, absolutely amazing. You know, I think it's going to save a lot of businesses so much time and money, as I said. Um, but 
the other side of that is because we did a survey with all of our customers and one of the most valuable things that came out of that was that they said it's that I don't have to come up with the ideas so like I have a wine shop I put in the word wine I get you know 200 pages of articles about wine and it's just stuff to do with wine it's not even like specifically about wine it's like you know how to build your own wine rack or just something in that area but they were like I don't have to come up with the ideas I don't have to put anything in there I just have to put one word and then it's all there and I think one of the other big things about AI is that it takes it the the time it saves people to actually write articles that's a huge perk or a, a huge um positive with marker content the articles are also already written so there's no way we can compete with AI. Absolutely not. It's an absolutely amazing solution. And I I support it 100%. Um, but I definitely think there's room for both. I think there are buyers that appreciate the perspective um, of an individual. And I think there are companies that like to support companies that are, are giving back in some way. Um, so, yeah. That's such a great perspective there because it, 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 I think the idea that you're sharing there is like there's room for both, but each is going to offer their own, uh, their own benefit. And I think what you're saying there is there's almost something about the human perspective and the human experience that AI will never replace, um, which is. I, I think it's fairly accurate. Like whenever I've used these AI chatbots, I, I find they're great to present things very factually, but actually to your point, it's like, you know, actually writing a review of something and, and talking about an experience that they've uh, somebody's had when they were younger or, you know, um, describing a wine, for example, uh, based off of like a holiday that they had. It's like this wine tastes like that time I was in Croatia, something yeah. along those lines. It's like that that's the kind of the the perspective that is is definitely missing at the moment from the AI side of things. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I don't know. And I uh, honestly, I don't know what the future looks like. I think we're going through an absolute revolution in it. And um, and again, it is fascinating. And we're, we've all been, I think, a little bit. Um, shocked at how clever it is and all of those things but I think it's a really lovely you know I think there was probably a lot of tables around Christmas that talked about the difference and what it means to be human and what humans can offer the world that computers can't um, and I think you know there's many people that want to live in a world where a, the, the computers can do everything and that's great And but there's also a lot of people that do not want to live in that world at all um, so yeah, I think there's room for both. I think there's people that appreciate um, all the things I've mentioned. And then there's people that are like, that's not necessary. Um, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's room for both. <laughs> and speaking of the future, what does success look like for marker content in the next 12 to 24 months? We are raising money because I want to be able to as I mentioned, um, I want the platform to be much more sophisticated than it is. We don't need a massive team. We have a very small, lean team that's um, incredibly hardworking. So I, I'm not, I'm definitely not a founder that's like 
we want to hire 200 people. Um, that's not necessary. I would love to be a recognized brand. Um, one of the reasons why we've grown so fast is because our writers talk um, and you know, our writers are able to say to their friends about market content and they're putting up on their LinkedIn pages and they're putting up on their Instagram pages. And, you know, that is that's organic marketing. That's the best kind of marketing that there possibly is. It's, you know, no need to put money into it. People will talk about it themselves. That's how Etsy grew. Um, it's really how Fiverr grew. Like, let's say Shutterstock grew. Like, you know, as long as you can create something that is um, a brand, as I said, that's trusted. Um, it should grow organically, hopefully. But I think that's what we've seen in the last nine months, just this lovely organic growth. So yeah, like I'd love to, at the moment where we're at just over 70,000 people, as I said, we're growing by over 10,000 people a month at this stage. Um, where we've just tipped 200,000 articles. Um, I would love, I would love to be a recognized brand, I guess, Dave, I don't know. Um, I want marker content to be the biggest article library, user generated article library in the world. Um, I want every student in the world to know and understand it and be making money from it. Um, and yeah, I would just love to be regarded as a trusted content source um, that is allowing people or giving people the opportunity to generate some income where before they didn't have that. And how can the digital Irish community help you achieve that? Just allowing people to understand it and to talk about it and to use it um, and to see how easy it is to use. Um, and just getting the word out there would be kind of the best thing that you guys could do. And, and it would just really help us a lot. Fantastic stuff. Well, we're we're more than happy to do that. Um, but in the meantime, Greta, I can't thank you enough for taking out the time uh, to chat to us. Like, just really insightful, really inspiring, and amazing just to hear the the passion and dedication to this. Oh well, Dave, thank you so much, and thank you for having me um, as a guest. <laughs> um, really nice talking to you, um, and I will come on anytime fantastic stuff and hopefully we'll have you on again in a couple of years when everybody is talking about marker content exactly and we'll be able to look back at this with loads of memories and nostalgia and everything and they remember when it was just starting out <laughs> <laughs> i love it well thank you again greta thanks dave if you have an idea for a guest on a future episode of the digital irish podcast please email hello at digitalirish.com. Here's a preview of our next episode. One thing that someone in the company said to me when I was just about to graduate, they said, you're absolutely honorable. I meant it actually as a compliment with the ideas I would have and the desire to be able to execute them without, um, I guess, potentially bureaucracy wouldn't fly within their, their particular organization. Um, so I think whenever you're young, you do need to Take a bit of time, step back, write out um, the things that you want to do, the things you want to achieve, and take that, you know, that, maybe that five-year plan and work backwards. Thank you as always for listening. Please do share this podcast if you found it interesting. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you next time.